I was thinking of all the kind of questions I could ask you. And unfortunately, quite a lot of them are the same kind of questions that you would ask people. So first, I would like to ask you if you could introduce yourself, if that's okay. Of course. Um, I'm Alastair Kumar, and I'm the head of casting at the National Theatre. Okay. There we go. Hey, that kind of worked. <laughs> that kind of worked. <laughs> Every time you walk into a room, <laughs> there's that ping noise up here. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to ask, um, what on earth made you, did you always want to be a casting director or involved in casting in some way or another? How did you get to where you are now? Um, I started off, I, well, I acted a lot when I was at school um, and I really loved it. Uh, and I remember doing, this is quite, I was on a sort of summer course, summer camp, doing, do, you know, doing some plays. And um, at the end of it, we all had to do little scenes and uh, we all got very excited because we were told someone was coming up from London, somebody important. I have no idea who they were. They probably weren't very important. And there was a very bad actor on the course who was very handsome. And then there was me. No, I, I fancied myself as a very good actor. And um, I remember that the people from London had no, no time for me whatsoever, but they were very interested in the very handsome, not very good actor. And so I decided I didn't really want to be an actor, but I'd quite like to be one of the people who came up from London, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think in retrospect, that was the moment I sort of discarded any idea of being an, an actor. And then um, at university, I, I just directed lots of stuff. And... Um, I think I, I came to London to do the director's course at Lambda, uh, which was in its infancy then. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago. And um, uh, I, I rented a room actually off a theatre director and they were very good friends with a, a senior casting director in film. So I, I, I think I hadn't really known what a casting director was until that point. I sort of mm. heard about them, but, but it wasn't a real job. But uh, speaking to them, I was I was sort of... I, th I, I remember the penny drop very quickly, and I thought this is a, this is something I need to um, explore further. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I then after drama school, I was I was I worked for a small agency, a good agency, it's good but small, very commercial agency, and um, that was a really good sort of background in the sort of brass tacks of the business, if you like. There was a lot of representing a lot of actors that were in soaps, a lot of commercials, lots of really good regional theatre. Um, it was just a really, really good background, really. But um, I worked very hard to get um, an interview at the National Theatre uh, in the casting department and then got the assistance job there and then haven't really looked back since then, really. Oh, why did I think you worked at, um, what's it called, the Donmar Warehouse for a while? I did, yeah. So that was yeah. later. So, I, so oh. I, was the, I was the assistant in the casting department for a couple of years. And then I became sort of the junior casting director. And then um, I was head of department for a bit when the then head of casting was on sabbatical. And then uh, when Josie Rourke started at the Donmar, she asked me to join her there. Right. And so I was there for six years. So sort of overall, that's about 20 years, yeah. 10 years at the National, I think before that, six years at the Donmar, back at the National now, three years. Three years, just in time for coronavirus to kick in. I know, I know. I spoke to my predecessor the other day and I don't, I don't think she was 
I don't think she was missing the job at all, really. Um, <laughs> it, it's worth saying. Sorry, I was just, I was just going to say, I, I, I was sort of in training to be a casting director without ever knowing it, though, because uh, um, when I was about, when I was at school, I was at school near Stratford-upon-Avon, and I was a, a, a real geek for the RSC, imagine. <laughs> and um, I just, I used to go and see absolutely every show, and I obsessed about who the actors were and learned who they all were. And it was, a, it was this amazing sort of period at the RSC then. Extraordinary actors coming through the company, like, you know, Hugh Bonneville and uh, Simon Russell mm -hmm. Beale and Alex Jennings. It was just, it was just an amazing time, actually. And um, uh, I think, like other, other children learn cricket teams or football teams, um, I, they have Panini sticker albums. I had um, uh, RSC programmes. <laughs> Yay! Did that make you popular? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say, how is it, how is the National Theatre navigating this coronavirus crisis that we're in just now, or, or are they managing to navigate it um, as best as possible? Uh, and that's really that's you know, it's been very very difficult, very difficult for everybody. Um, we. I think we had a good inkling actually before a lot of other people, if I think back to the end of February, beginning of March, I think we'd already started to think this could be quite serious. Mm -hmm. Not, we hadn't really realized the extent or the length of time that we would be closed for, or even perhaps that we would be fully closed. But I think that, um, I remember talking to some other, uh, a commercial producer in the West End only a, about a week before lockdown started and they were very blasé and just very sort of I think in denial about it really so we'd started sort of planning what we might do but really with with situations like this you, you can only it's it, it's almost impossible to plan for it's yeah. you know unprecedented it, most disaster planning in any organization a theater or a bank would sort of focus on on, a, on an event that takes out your operation but probably not all the other banks or all the other theaters um certainly not every other industry at the same time and i think that's you know if there'd been a fire on the south bank we would have probably moved into a theater in the west end or um, gone on tour or something you know we could have done that but to, to, to have to close and to have to close almost immediately um, the only way you can really manage it is to respond to things as they happen and have plans and tear them up and re rewrite them and write new plans and tear those up. Mm -hmm. and well, well what, struck, and what struck me um, was that um, I was flying back from Italy uh, to London for an audition. And when I got to the audition, even all the staff there, because I'd been in Italy, I'd had a full lockdown, like a serious lockdown where we had to um, provide paperwork to show where we were and things like that and why we were out of the house. And I flew back for an audition um, and I, I, everybody that I met, they were just like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be a couple of weeks. And I was like, no guys, <laughs> this is serious. I remember texting my, my agent and saying, um, oh, by the way, uh, where we are out here, because my husband uh, works for NATO, um, he, he was hearing information that was going to be happen, happening like um, back home in the UK. And I, was, I said to my agent, this is, this is going to get a lot, lot worse <laughs> very quickly. And I was just always struck by like, how, how, how I could just walk out of the airport with my mask on, but no one else was wearing masks. It's a weird time. It really is. But I was going to say, does that mean for you 
as um, head of casting, does that mean you're going to have to get very used to like having these kind of interactions over Zoom? With oh yeah, yeah, yeah. everything's been on Zoom. I mean, the last few weeks we've been back in the theatre a bit more. We've been doing some in-person auditions, which is really good, but they're complicated to do. Um, and so we've been trying to do certainly first rounds and everything on Zoom um, or pre or, uh, self tapes. You know, the film and TV industry has been working off self tapes for a very long time. So um, nothing beats the interact, you know, personal interaction. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of that. But all the all our programming and planning meetings. I mean, the theatre was closed completely until two months ago, but it's it's reopened now, and uh, we had the first preview of Death of England, which is our first playback by Roy Williams and Clint Dyer, which that opened two nights ago. So that's in preview. So being back at, I mean, I I stood on stage in the Olivier on the, the Monday night um, of the week that we went into lockdown. I think with Rufus. Norris asking the company of the visit um, whether they wanted to perform that night or not. And they decided together, no, it would be irresponsible. Because I think you'll remember the government didn't give a very clear line about what theatre should or shouldn't be doing. They left it up to us, which wasn't very helpful. Um, so, you know, to watch a company of actors uh, have to sort of decide not to do a show is, yeah. you know, I don't, I can't really think of a precedent for that, not in my experience. Yeah. All actors ever want to do really is to do the show. That's um, like a contradiction of what an actor's job is really. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I've, I've, been, I've been in some really frightening, weird, you know, emergencies in, in the theatre, usually, you know, around actors not being available or not turning up or being injured or unwell. Um, uh, you know, I've been through some really, really hard problems but nearly you know nine times out of ten we've got the show on whether that's using the understudies or bringing someone else in and I'm, I'm always amazed by how um resilient and uh inventive you know performers can be and how accepting audiences are of that but so to, to suddenly be in a moment where, where actually you, you you couldn't perform and actually it would have been wrong from a sort of public health point of view to open theatre so it was it was very very um it was very sad. So to be, I'm glad. And then I, I was, the, the Olivier's in the round now. We've made the, put the audience in the round so that we can do social distancing um, between, you know, people in the audience. So there's seats on stage. So I was back on stage uh, for the Olivier, in the Olivier for the, for the first night back. So that was really very, very emotional. Yeah, did, um, it, feel, did it feel like an important moment? Yeah. Because, because I think the National Theatre has been so, um, and this isn't me blowing smoke up your arse, this is, uh, I think the National Theatre has been so bloody good during this whole crisis at leading uh, all the countries of the United Kingdoms. Um, I'm really impressed with like, like when they were releasing their digital theatre stuff on YouTube. Uh, that that really that kept me going, uh, and I know it kept a lot of people going. And and I think they've been leading the way. So, so does that put a lot of pressure on you guys? I suppose. Oh yeah. To, to lead yeah. from the front. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, always. But that but then that's the job really, and that's you know one of the pleasures and the responsibilities of just working somewhere like the National. Really, I mean, we're very very well resourced, and we're a very famous company, and. Um, I like to think on the whole, we're very, very good at what we do across the board. So, um, you know, watching all our 
technicians and our production managers and production staff getting the theatre ready um, to receive people again after being closed. I mean, it is like an ocean liner has just sort of stopped in the, you know, you can imagine an ocean liner that's suddenly asked to stop for six months and then you've you got to start it up again really fast. It takes, it's, it's, it's hard to get those big buildings going again, um, you know, and, and to program stuff. The worst thing, the awful thing has been, you know, taking things to pieces. Um, I keep calling it unproducing. The summer was just a, a series of, you know, us unproducing shows and telling actors that their shows weren't happening, that they were delayed. And you have to remember at the beginning, we thought we might be back in by May, June. Yeah. I mean, that's laughable now, but at the yeah. time it was, that was the plan. You know, I think September was the worst case um, scenario, which now yeah. seems like, which now seems hysterical really. But to sort of call people and say, you know, we're really sorry, but some yeah. people were performing, some people were in rehearsal, um, some people were just about to start, you know, that's that's terrifying. But we were very lucky because, well, not lucky, I suppose, we just moved quickly and did a very good deal with Equity, who were terrific, and made sure that everyone that was working for us or who had been promised work could be paid for their contract. So we were able to do that. So oh, wow. um, unlike sort of anywhere else, really, who just sort yeah. of paid four or five or six weeks, you know, salary, we were able to sort of honour you know, those costs. So that helped a bit because, I mean, the real reason to reopen, I mean, there is a sentimental to, reason to reopen the theatre, which is theatre should be open. And that's a really, that's a really important sentiment. Um, but we, we're, we're, we're an organisation that's receiving money and hopefully will receive money from the government. We, we, we find out whether our loan application is successful in a few weeks time, but we employ it's freelancers like yourself who haven't seen any work all year at all and for people like me who are in full-time employment you know um, I'm one of the very 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 lucky ones so it's our responsibility we think to make work as soon as possible so that we can start hiring people again you know I'm, I'm a casting director my job is to is to hire actors I love it I love offering people roles I mean it makes me it's a nice thing to this nice thing to be doing so to be to be telling people they're not performing or not doing it or, or rehearsing is horrible really here's a question then um, um how much have you thought about um obviously the the students who qualified as actors uh, during that lockdown period they have lost so, so much as a result really haven't they um the uh, I, I speak to a lot of them online and a lot of them say this, the same thing. They, they say things like, um, I can't get an agent. I can't, um, I can't actually get through the door. Um, is, are, I know it's, it's hard for you to answer really, but is there a way where you're going to be able to help them, all the, all the, new, all the new actors and actresses? That have, is there a way? I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'm sort of, yeah, I've been thinking about them a lot as well. I think it's, I mean, I think it's, uh, I can't imagine what it feels like. It must be very frightening um, and sad, really. So, yeah, I ha I ha we have been thinking a lot about them and we've been, I I'm really glad we're doing a pantomime at Christmas and I think three or four of the leads are brand new grads at, straight out of drama school. So that's really exciting that their first jobs actually in the middle of a pandemic will be at the national. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Um, 
No, we have been talking about it. I can't, we've been looking at a couple of big projects that focus on that. Um, one of which um, is quite developed actually. Um, but I can't really say any more than that. Other than it's one of the things that comes up a huge amount across the board, not just for actors, but for all the people who were, who were planning to enter the industry at this moment, you know, and I think that there's quite a lot of studies that show that for that group of people across, across the country in whatever, wherever they're working, this could be really, this could really be damaging to the generation of people. So um, I think when, you know, we've got to, we've got to collectively have a sort of, be as responsible as possible to try and give those opportunities to come up with as many opportunities as possible. I'm sort of waffling, but I, I, I hear it a lot in, in, in planning calls, calls with the associate directors of the theatre, a concern about the young lighting designers and costume supervisors and actors yeah. and writers yeah. and, and, and. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was, I can't unfortunately uh, leave uh, this podcast without asking you what all the wee actors will be tuning in to listen to. Um, so, uh, tips, hints, and advice. And this is a question you, you, I know you get all the time uh, for anyone who has to walk into a room in front of you and perform a soliloquy or whatever it is uh, for their audition. Have you got any hints or tips? Just, um, I always say be prepared. Um, it, it's, it's, it's your defence really, and it's your secret weapon. So if you're very nervous or anxious about a big intimidating audition at the National Theatre, and you know, it is intimidating. We try and make it um, not, and we try and be a friendly face for actors, but it, it's, it's frightening. I mean. Well, everyone that works at the National Theatre has had an interview for a job at the National Theatre at some point, so we all know what it's like. I, I, I think I was shitting myself when I went in for the job as head of casting, you know, two years ago. So we do know what it feels like. Um, but if you're prepared, and if you know your way around the, the scene or the play, um, and you know who you're meeting, and you know what it all means, I think that you're going to be, um, you'll give yourself an advantage. You know, in theatre auditions, unlike screen, you hopefully would have seen the whole play before you come in and hopefully had enough time to read it just to have a view on it really. Um, and you should make sure that you're aware of who the director is and who the writer is and what their, their sort of track record is. Um, and if you don't know, ask your agent or look on the internet because I've, I have been in rooms so many times when younger actors particularly get the director's name wrong or, um, are, you know, are rude about a, are rude about a production that that director directed, um, things like that, just sort of that, <laughs> things like that. that is, but, you know, that, that's something I would do, yeah. 100%. <laughs> having a point of view is, you know, it's, it, you don't have to be right, but having a point of view about the character is just, is, is so important anyway, really. Or, or even if it's to say, I'm not sure, I just, I can't get, I can't, I can't make a point of view because I'm confused by something. It's to have a series of intelligent questions and they don't need to be intellectual and an intellectual response to the play. You don't need to be clever, but you need to sort of be honest and show, I think that you've, you've really done some sort of deep thought. It's, it, you're sort of giving an offer to the director of what you'll be like on the first day, second day of rehearsal. This is where I will start in, you know, the process of building the character. And I think when you're very new to the industry, you're thinking that you've got to impress and 
sort of be very biddable. But I think if you arrive, certainly at a place, if you're invited to audition at the National Theatre, you, sh you should come knowing that you are, you are good enough to be there. Um, and all we want is for you to do your best work in the room. Throughout every audition I do, I always go, why are they so nice? <laughs> why are they so nice? Because I automatically used to think, fuck, the minute I walk into this room, <laughs> I expect them to be like fucking Simon Cowell or the rest of it. So I used to automatic, I used to automatically have that impression in my head. I didn't come from a theatre background. I didn't come from an acting background, really. No one in my family were in the arts. And then when you go into these new environments, big London and all the all the rest of it, it was very overwhelming. And what I know now, I wish I wish I'd learned. It's not something you can exactly learn at drama school. You've just got to learn it, and then then learn how to pick yourself up and carry on. So and, yeah. and the, I, th I think, um, I think this whole coronavirus thing, once, once it's out of the way, which I don't think it will be fully out of the way. Oh no, no, fuck. That's what I was going to ask you. Are other theatres opening up? Or is it? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think people are, well, people are starting to, I mean, it's really complicated because, you know, for a lot of theatres, basically overnight, theatres just have absolutely no income and no, no sign of any income coming in. You've got to remember over the last 10 years that um, the, the grants to theatres from the Arts Council have, you know, got smaller and smaller um, mm. and, you know, really diminished. The, 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 there's a, you know, 20 years ago when I started, there was still a very sort of, generous amount of subsidy across the board there was there felt like there was money coming from government so over the last 10 years you know the, the Tory government have asked us to diversify our income streams right so uh, have get more money from the cafe more money from the bookshop more money from digital more money from there so we and we've been really successful a lot of theatres have but the national have been super successful at that like really really successful and to do that you, if you're going to have a broadcast department and a better catering offer and uh you know a bigger bookshop and better costume hut. you're going to employ more and more people so yeah. the business model had, had gone in this direction which was lots of income streams much bigger workforce and then wham suddenly overnight all that income has gone away and you're left with a very very big organization um so that's why we unfortunately had to you know, make some sort of off you know an awful a huge number of redundancies and as are all the theatres and galleries and arts organisations across the country are having to really, really, you know, look at their, um, their business. It's, it's, it's desperately sad. And this is because we, you know, uh, the information about what the government would do in, um, in terms of the, the, the grants and the loans was so slow in coming and is now so slow in being delivered that, the, you know, you, what organisations can't wait. So as furlough period finishes, you know, across the country, there's lots of people losing their jobs. So for some theatres to start producing work is just impossible yeah. because they, have, they haven't enough money to pay their staff. The National is, is fortunate in that it, it had very large reserves and it has a very, very um, sophisticated fundraising um, arm and our supporters have remained very, very supportive financially. So um, we're able to make some work but not everybody is and i think that if 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 money weren't a question everybody would be making work in all sorts of ways but yeah, if, yeah. if you can't if you, your audience 
socially distanced goes down by, you know, to 30% of what you, it usually would be. That's impossible for most people. And you can't use your cafe and you can't have a bar and you can't yeah. all the other things that just make small amounts of, you know, money. It's, it's really hard. But yes, sorry, it's a long answer. But yes, people are making work again. The commercial sector are looking at ways of getting their theatres back open again. But, you know, as we head into a, a terrible second wave in winter, it's, it's not looking great, you know. It's going to take a... It, we, we won't be back open, I don't think, with full houses until yeah. the spring. Yeah, I believe the same. But but at least you are leading the way. Um, you have opened up to this... What's this new show called? Death of England. Death of England. Has it sold out already? Well, obviously it's not... No, not, no it's not. It's not quite. And we're holding a lot of tickets back for sort of, um, sort of weekly release because... Um, we're aware that at the moment pe- planning ahead is almost impossible. So, uh, you know, it's, it's sold really well. And there's a very, very, there's a, yeah, it's, it's done very well. I think it will sell out, but I think uh, we're releasing a lot of tickets daily and weekly as well. Well, um, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, I've got, <laughs> I've got loads of people lined up and uh, I, I just wanted to see if I could get someone from the National Theatre and then I realised you're the man to talk to. So thank you for coming on. That's all right. Thanks for asking.